If you want to go to the dark side with an all-new season of Spook Storytelling, support the show that makes it happen, spookpodcast.org. Snappers, we're putting on the face paint, hanging up the scarecrows, hiding the good candy because tis the season. Snap's favorite season. And want to give you a taste of our new spinoff podcast, Spooked. 13 episodes of supernatural fun, spookpodcast.org. Be afraid. Now, I think it was Mulder, or maybe Scully, who said that running parallel to our existence is the world of beasties, of others, the, the dead. It's right there. Right here, next to us all the time. And occasionally, our worlds collide. It was quiet and calm, and you could see all the birds, you could hear the frogs. It was just beautiful. It's wherever I went when I just needed some time to be by myself or just to think clearly for a while. And I ran into one person ever, a lady walking her dog, and I'm pretty sure I scared the life out of her that there was another person in the park that day. So I remember I had been on the phone with my then-boyfriend, and I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember he said something that made me think he was a chauvinistic, not-nice person. And I remember yelling at him and telling him that if he knew anything about me, he knew exactly where I was going to go. And I hung up the phone and got in my car. I drove off to the park. The sun was already kind of down behind the tree line, but it wasn't dark yet. And I pulled into the parking lot, and I thought it was weird that there was two cars there. And you know how police cars will sit side by side so they can talk out their driver window? It was like that. So they were talking to each other. And when I got out, I remember the the man in the truck just staring at me in in this horrible way. Like, like you know when, when someone just looks at you like, like they're looking through you like you don't exist or don't matter? This is weird. No one's ever here. It's late. Why are these two men here? And... And then I thought, ah, they're, they're leaving. I don't care. I have my own problems to deal with. I'm, I'm going. And I only took my keys with me because I don't want to have a big clunky purse banging around with me. So I headed across the field. I didn't look back at the parking lot. To get into the woods, you really had to cross through the field to find an, an opening because there's no trails. It's You kind of just have to know where there's places you can cut in without going through thorn bushes and getting torn apart. I headed into the woods where the opening was and I started to walk towards that little spot in the creek. And I, I was taking my time because I was calming down and I was just listening to the birds and sounds and just calming like that's all I was thinking about you know the argument I just had and what I wanted to do and should we break up and all those stupid things that go through your head and and then I started realizing it got really quiet like I didn't hear the birds anymore I didn't hear the squirrels bouncing around the leaves and then I heard something big moving through the woods 
And I, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, maybe it's a dog. And then I heard the voices. And the first voice is a male's voice. And he said, I know I saw her go in this way. She couldn't have gotten that far. And then the second voice comes and it's quieter. And it says, shh, she'll hear you. Okay, so there's two men in the woods now, and they must be looking for something, obviously. They're, they're looking for something. And I kept thinking, it must be a dog. They're looking for their dog. That makes sense, of course. They must have lost their dog, and they're driving around looking for it. And then I thought, they wouldn't be being quiet. They wouldn't try to sneak up on it. They'd be whistling. They'd be calling. And I, I stood there frozen, because that's the kind of person I am. I'm the deer that stands in front of your car, staring into your headlights and doesn't move. And I could still hear them coming closer to me through the woods. I could hear the trees, the snapping of twigs as they were walking and, and leaves crunching. I don't even know how long I stood there, but I, I was completely frozen, waiting for them to get to me. And then I heard the other voice. It was distorted like... Like if you heard somebody talking through a closed door or, or talking underwater, like you could hear what you could understand kind of what they were saying, but the voice wasn't right. It wasn't in my head because it had like a volume and a pitch that changed that my thoughts don't do. Maybe other people's thoughts change in, in volume when they get upset, but mine are very monotone. So I could almost feel where the voice was coming from. Like if you, someone yells, you can kind of feel where they're standing at, like where the sound comes from. And it was, it was behind me and a little above, like, like it was taller than me. It just said, go to the river now. And I don't know if I was more scared of the fact that there's some disembodied voice talking to me, or maybe there's a person behind me now and there's two men coming towards me in the woods. I don't know which scared me more. I mean, I, I guess I, I listened to the voice because, I don't know, I didn't really have other options. I took off towards the river and I was making a ton of noise because I was just running as fast as I could. And the voice came back right away and said, no, quietly, quietly. And almost, almost like it hissed at me when it said it. And I got to where the river was and where this little embankment was, and I just jumped down it instead of climbing down like I should have. I ended up cutting my legs up in the process. And, and I squished myself against the embankment and, and squeezed down into the smallest, tightest little ball I possibly could. And the voice just kept saying really quietly to stay. And I just sat there hoping that, that whoever else was in the woods was just going to leave and that I wasn't having some kind of breakdown. And I kept hearing them moving through the woods and getting closer and closer. And then I could tell they had split off because one sound was going further away and one was coming much closer. And as I, I sat there, that voice just kept telling me, stay, stay, and quiet, over and over again. Like, like it was almost trying to comfort me. 
I could hear what sounded to me like like someone was right above me. And I knew if I leaned out, if someone was up there, they'd be able to see me. And I couldn't help myself. I, I had to look to see if something was there. So I just tilted my head up just a tiny bit. And I could see the tips of these construction boots hanging over the edge of the embankment. And then I could see hanging down next to them this dirty old rope just swinging there. And I don't, I don't even know if I even thought anything at that point. Like I was just so scared. I just tilted my head back down and just tried to not breathe. It felt like hours, but I know it couldn't have been that long, but it just seemed forever. And even then, like the voice even was completely silent. Like there was nothing but me hearing this man breathing above me. And I guess he didn't look down because he started to walk away at some point. And that voice came back and it kept telling me to wait. And I, I, I didn't want to. I wanted to go so bad. And I, I just said, well, I'm already hearing voices. I have people in the woods with a rope looking for something, which I assume is me at this point. And I might as well just listen. So I, I waited and I waited. And finally, the voice said, go now to the field, go. And it was screaming at me so loud. I, I jumped just from how loud it was. And I, I climbed up the embankment and I ran through the woods. And I didn't care about being quiet. I'm torn up by thorn bushes and tree branches and everything. And I got out to the field. And I'm far, far, far away from the cars and from the street. And at this point, the sun's starting to go down. It's getting dark. And I could see the parking lot, but it was so far away. And I knew there was limited chance that anybody on the street could see me running and I start hearing footsteps running and I mean the field's loud so I can hear them and they're first they're farther away but they're much faster than I am so much faster than I am and they're they're barreling down on me at this point and the only thing I have is my car keys and I'm like you know what I'm not going down like this so I, I put the car keys and I, I did what my dad always used to tell me to have the car, the keys between each one of your knuckles and I had my fist all balled up, and I'm like, I'm going to at least see this person. I'm not going to just let them take me. And I spun around with the keys in my fist. The footsteps are right on top of me. And there was nothing. Nothing. I, I fully expected to see the, at least one of the men there. But it was silent. No, no more footsteps, no anything. And the only thing I could think was the footsteps must have belonged to the voice somehow. And then I hear the voice again, just screaming at the top of its lungs that I need to run right now. And I immediately hear the footsteps again. So I'm looking as I'm running now, but I can't see anything. And the footsteps are literally in pace with me now. Like, like something is running next to me through the field. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I don't, I have no idea. Is this how people die? Like, I mean, I have like a thousand crazy thoughts running through my head because none of this makes any sense. Finally, I, I break out of the field. I get in my car, got my keys in the ignition as fast as I could. And I see both the cars that had been running that were leaving are now parked in different places with nobody in them. I had like cuts and scrapes from 
you know, the embankment and climbing back up all the rocks and, and running through the thorn bushes. And I definitely remember my tires making squealy sounds as I backed up way faster than I should have. And I, I just sped out of there and I refused to look behind me in the rearview mirror. I just kept picturing, like in every bad, scary movie, there's that person that you see in the rearview mirror. And I'm like, I'm not going to have an image of them haunt me. No, no, I don't ever wish to hear it again, because I assume if I do, I'm in a really bad place. I assume if I ever hear it again, something really terrible is happening. I mean, don't get me wrong. If there hadn't been a voice, I probably wouldn't be talking to you. I would probably be a missing persons case somewhere in somebody's drawer. I can only assume it meant good things. I mean, it got me out of there. That story comes to us from listener Shelley Shaffrey, who's featured on Snap's new spinoff podcast, Spooked. Get scared all over again at spookpodcast.org. 13 episodes for your haunted pleasure. And I'm happy to say that Shelley, she hasn't heard that voice since. But if you have a ghost story, let us know. Spooked at spookpodcast.org. The original score was by Leon Morimocho. That story was produced by Eliza Smith. Now, if you don't think cowboys roam the range anymore, better think again. Spook 8 continues right after the break. Stay heard you. You said you want more ghosts, more spirits, more journeys beyond the beyond. You want more spook. Well, spook only happens if you make it happen. Make Spooked Season 2 happen with all new stories. Just go to spookpodcast.org right now and get great stuff. The Spooked Spirit Board. Sport a Spooked t-shirt. You need a Spooked mug because every purchase pushes us closer into the darkness. Get spook stuff right now at spookpodcast.org. From WMRC Studios and Snap Judgment, welcome back to Spook 8, The Vanishing. My name is Glenn Washington. Now, have you ever driven down a lonely road late at night trying to calm your mind? Have you ever gotten so lost in thought that you lost your way? How'd you get back home? Who comes to save us when we lose ourselves? The story comes to us from the wilds of rural Montana. I was a EMT, which is the emergency medical technician in Dillon, Montana. This story takes place on New Year's Eve, 1987. I was having dinner with my boyfriend. At that time, his name was Hank. And uh, 
We were having New Year's Eve dinner. I was on call 24-7, and so I just wore a pager all the time. And I got a page, and the page said, man down in alley. And so I immediately responded, and I said I had to go on this call. So I got to the young man. He was about 14 years old, and he was having seizures. The boy had freckles. He was a red-headed, green-eyed boy. So we were trying to contain him enough to protect him. But he was 14. He was a pretty good-sized boy. And it took a lot of the police, and these guys are big guys, to control his bodies enough that we could strap him down. We transport him to the hospital, which was about three minutes away. And they immediately did uh, blood tests, and they came back and told us that uh, there was cocaine in his system. And they said there must have been something else in there, laced it with something, and that they were going to keep him, you know, put him in ICU right away. And actually, as I'm thinking about this, I remember with that boy making eye contact with him at one time. And uh, he knew he wasn't going to be okay. He knew. And yet we went for it anyway. We did everything to save that boy's life. Even though his body was still there, there was something missing. He wasn't dead. His body was alive, but his soul had already moved on. So I'm going to ask you just to imagine that it was New Year's Eve in your life, and you had just seen a young boy in grandma's seizures, and then you find out that the reason this boy is so seriously ill is because he got some cocaine that was laced with something. Would you get mad? Especially if you knew that the man that possibly brought in the drugs was your boyfriend. When I went home, I just couldn't sleep because I knew that Hank was bringing in drugs. And I, I, it was just so upsetting to me that perhaps that boy got one of his drugs. I, I went to bed for a little bit. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, start, I got in my car, and that's one way that I can calm my little spirit is by going into nature, going for a drive. It's cold, it's dark, and in Montana, these old roads, I mean, they're just two-lane highways, and I just headed to where I knew where it was always calming for me, which was Yellowstone Park, which was about three hours away. So it was a nice little drive. I probably hit there maybe 5.30 in the morning or something. It was still dark, and, and I remember turning off and then I just went, wow, this road doesn't 
seemed like the same place that I usually go. It was cold. It was very cold, and there was probably about two and a half, three feet of snow. I think the biggest thing I was thinking was I knew that they were bringing those drugs in. And it, it made me very mad. And so my mind was really playing tapes of if I did this, I could do this. If I did that, I could do this. I realized I was lost uh, probably about an hour up the road. And it was just, the wind was shaking the car when I was driving. It was just blowing so hard, this blizzard. And it was like I knew I couldn't try and turn around because I would get stuck. And then I went, man, this is not good. Um, As I'm driving, the snow is literally just coming over the car. It was so deep, I was pushing through it, and it was coming over the top of the car. And I reached down into my jockey box to see if I had any food, and I had a half a piece of gum. And I didn't have any water. I didn't have any other food. I still had about a half a tank of gas or so, and and I decided that if I would stop and then just turn the engine off until I, you know, got really cold, and then I would start it up probably had enough gas for about six hours. I don't even know where I am. And there is so much snow, and the blizzard is happening. If this continues, my car will be completely covered. They won't find me. And I went, this is it. This is where I'm going to, this is where I'm going to die. And I just kept thinking about my daughter, Brandy. And then I heard a truck come up behind me. And um, this guy pulls up. He's got this about, a, I think it was about a 60 Ford pickup, uh, blue and white. He had a cowboy hat on. He's got the guns in the back. I would say he was probably in his 50s. He, he was really tall, he had a brown hat, and his hair was kind of that dirty, blondy brown. It was all straggling, he had a beard and, and uh, blue jeans, and his face was full of wrinkles. And he just said, what in the hell are you doing out here? And started yelling at me, and, and I'm like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing out here. I told him, I think I'm lost. And, and he, he just kept asking me, who are you? Who are you? And I was trying to tell him who I was, but he wouldn't listen to me. He just kept on, who are you? Who are, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I really started getting scared because he was getting pretty loud. You know, and the rifles are in the truck. And he looked at my plates. He says, you're from Montana. I said, yeah. And he says, well, do you even know where you are? And I said, I have no clue. And he said, well, you're in Idaho. And he said, I'll I'll follow you, and I'm going to show you how to get out of here. And (laughs) so I got in my car and I started driving, and there's still no road. And he was so close to me that I could 
I could see him. He had green eyes. They were emerald green eyes. And he was right on my tail. And then he starts honking his horn, just laying on his horn, so I stop. And then he walks up to my car, and he, and he says, Okay, down there, you're gonna, do you see the telephone post? And I could see him in the distance. And he says, Just follow the fence line. And you could see a fence line down there. And he says, It'll get you to that town. And then he says, there's a gas station down there. Go to the house and lock on the door in the back of the gas station, and they'll help you. And I got in the car, and I'm driving, and he's right on my butt again. I was watching where I was going, but also watching him. And then he just vanished, just disappeared. And I... I thought, well, he must have taken a road or went off the road, you know, off somewhere. And so I stopped and I got out and and then I backed up a little bit because it was like, where could he have gone? He just disappeared. There was no sign. And then I looked down and there was only one set of tracks. And they were my car tracks. There was no other car tracks. There were no truck tracks. This is weird. Like, how could that have happened? Because I know he was there. I never touched him, and he never touched me, but I could smell his breath. I, you know, I could feel the heat coming off his body. He was so close to me. For him just to vanish like that, it was like, what could have that been? I got chicken skin, you know, like, I, I, even though he was really angry, that man was really angry at me, there was a genuine caring about me. I remember looking into his eyes and wondering where, where did he come from? And then I remembered that boy. And he had the same kind of eyes. They were green, although the little boy's eyes were all bloodshot and stuff. It was like the same eyes, same color eyes, that, that emerald green. Oh my God, it was the spirit of that boy. And I know that's who came. I got back in my car after checking out the car track thing and um, headed, headed towards the telephone post. And I got to a little town called Dubois. And I stopped and went to the house, knocked on the door. They gave me some gas. And then I headed back to my brother's house where they were having a New Year's Day party. Big thanks to Dr. Valerie Simonson for sharing your story with Snap. You can find Valerie's story in the book Trucker Ghost Stories. We'll have a link on our website, spookpodcast.org. That original score was by Leon Morimoto. 
The story was produced by Eliza Smith. It's our favorite season of the year, and we're celebrating the only way we know how. With a brand new Spooked Podcast, 13 episodes of Supernatural Delights. Open yours at spookedpodcast.org. Spook was produced by the team of undead superstars. Please pump your fist at the original vampire, the Uber producer, Mark Ristich. Pat him down and frisk him with C.D. Miller. Anna, Vampira, Sussman, Eliza, Nose Thing Smith, Shayna the Seer, Sheely, Headless, Joe Rosenberg, Leon the Bat, Morimoto, Renzo the Crow, Gorio, Tail the Cot, Wants to Drink Your Blood, Liz Mack and Adiza Egan, they already have the Jasmine Aguilera. She has no soul. Now you may or may not be aware that this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, if you ever feel the cold hand and wonder if you'll ever see the sun, if you close your eyes and hope that this is just imagination, girl, but all the while you hear a creature creeping up from behind and you know you're out of time, even then you won't be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNY.